Now, there were a bunch of us who ran a 5K last night. So there were a bunch of us who ran this 5K. It was called Run Baby Run. And this was sponsored by RMC. And uh, so they gave a lot of different uh, organizations and even ministries opportunities to set up a table there, including Save a Life and some others that just about children and about babies. Run, baby, run. You know, and I mean, we had folks, I don't know, I don't know what Caleb's time was, but we had folks that probably finished in the, in the 19, 20 minute range. Uh, Cause I think he came in second in his age group and we had people finishing in that range all the way to some friends of ours that we were waiting on. They finished at like 63 minutes, all right? So it was, uh, it, it was tough. It was tough. So people could probably tell you some stories about having to try to run with patients or walk or whatever they did, you know, to, to get through that. I thought about this passage then. Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us. Let us lay aside every weight and sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance, with patience, the race that lies before us. Author of Hebrews takes this spiritual race a step further than just us talking about, you know, trying to run a 5K. Because you can, you can go and run a 5K and, and, you know, 30 to 40 minutes or so, you know, decent time, you're, you're done. It's over. This spiritual race is not going to be over till we pass out of this life. It, it starts from the very day that we receive Christ and, and believe on Him to be Lord and Savior of our life, and it never stops. We may, we may quit running sometimes, but the race has not stopped. The finish line is still out there. The goal is still there for us to achieve. And so it's, it's a little different situation that the author of Hebrews has to address but he takes this to this, this attention of that there's a large crowd of people who've gone before us in this faith walk. And because of this, we should patiently and enduringly run the race that's laid out before us. But that's not actually the first thing that the author tells us to do. The author of the passage tells us to do something before we run the race. He tells us to lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily ensnare us. Lay aside the weight. Now, this guy right here, he, uh, he played his first football game this week. Hey, you better wake up. I got your picture on the screen. I got, look. Oh, look, it's you. Yeah, uh-huh. See, that's what happens. You got your head down and you get a picture up there. He played his first game for Alexandria. This week, look at him. He's all smiley. Look. Raise your hand so everybody can see. You know, oh, yeah, yeah, look at him. <laughs> I'm going to leave it up there for a while, too, now. You know? Yeah. Oh, no, it's, it's there. <laughs> so Otis played his first game for Alexander this week. But he's been going through practices for, for several weeks. Been, been, I'm sure they've done some two-a-days and all that kind of stuff. And they're running and sweating and all that mess. Now, it'd be foolish if the coach said he was going to have Otis and another player get in a race, a 50-yard dash. And you went and said, wait a minute, coach. I got to go get something. And you went and got a 25-pound weight out of the weight room, put it in a backpack, strapped it on your back, said, okay, I'm, I'm ready for the race now, coach. I mean, that would be foolish, right? 
Because you're in a race, and here's a guy over here that he doesn't have any of those encumbrances, and you go and intentionally put weight on yourself, strap that thing on you, and go, okay, now I'm ready to try to run and compete against this guy. That would be foolish to make that kind of choice. Why? What would it do? What would this unnecessary weight do to Otis? What would it do to him? Slow him down. What else would it do to him? Wear him out. Slow you down, make you tired, shift you off balance. What are some things that could become weights that would slow us down in our spiritual race? This feedback time. What's, what are some things that, that could happen in your life or that you could allow to be a weight on you that would slow you down in your spiritual race? Don't everybody speak at once, please. Pride. Pride. What else? Oh, worrying about what you can't control. Man, that's good. What else? Anxiety, fear. I was listening to getting ready, finishing up one of the podcasts from over a month ago, almost two months ago. It was talking about how the Bible says God has not, God has not given us a spirit of fear. So somebody else gives us that. We don't have to take it. But what else? What are some other things that could become a weight that would slow us down in our spiritual race? Mm. Do things to make yourself better. Yeah. Yeah, back to that. You know, this is the only you know, religion where the, the founder doesn't say you've got to make a better version of yourself, but instead I'm going to die for you to empower you to be. Instead of you got to somehow convince God to love you. He's already loved you. Even while we were yet in sin, he loved us. Gave himself for us. So there's all these different ways. There's ways of thinking. There's ways of acting. There are things that we let other people do to us and impact on us that, that could slow us down in our spiritual race. And I wonder sometimes when I see people who are struggling in their spiritual lives and, and they seem to be confused as to why it's happening, but there are clear weights in their lives that it seems they would rather hold on to instead of laying them down and being free to run more easily. Sometimes... We, we just hold on to that weight. And I've mentioned this recently. We, we tend to start identifying with the weight. We tend to start being, if, if, if we were the victim of something, we tend to be in that identity. If, if we've experienced something that, that is truly and indeed is tragic or is terrible, if we're not careful, we will end up identifying as that. Instead of, this is something that happened to me, we will start to identify as that person or as that thing. For many people, it's being able to break free from, as I was mentioning earlier, from what parents said about them when they were a child, from what an early teacher said about them, and it's convinced them, and now they identify as, I'm no good. I can't achieve anything. I'm not worth loving because look what this person did to me. We begin to identify as those things, and they become weights on us, but they are not us. But we carry the weight of that thing. In verse 2, the author tells us something to do during the race. Let me, just for a moment before I go there, let me, let me go back to this for just a second. I'm not going to try to uh, 
to run a race wearing jeans. I, I, saw, I saw Debbie there, and I thought that Debbie was going to be going with us too. She was actually going to man the table for Save a Life. I didn't know that. And I was looking, and I said, Debbie, what are you doing wearing jeans? I mean, because I'm thinking, this is going to be bad. You know, I wore some sweatpants the first time I ever went to go ride a horse. I'm just going to tell you, that's bad, you know. And, and I'm seeing her. Yeah, see, that'll you, you'll think about it. You're like, whoa. Yeah, it was bad. And when I watched and I thought, oh, man, if she's going to be doing this, she is not prepared. She's not outfitted. And she goes, no, 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 I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to staff the table. And I said, okay. Man, when we're going to run this spiritual race, we've got to look at ourselves from a spiritual perspective and say, man, what are the things that I'm seeing in my life that's going to hinder me from running the way that I should? What are the things that I look at and see? Belief systems and, and ideas and ways of thinking and lack of organization or lack of, of even using my time well and things like that that are going to cause difficulty for me in running this race. And in the same way that I had to change my clothes and get ready for that race, we've got to spiritually do some of that and prepare ourselves for what we're about to do. He said, lay aside that weight. He didn't didn't say, ask me to take that weight off of you. He said, this is something that I've not put on you, so I don't need to take it off of you. This is something that you have picked up and you've allowed to be on you. And so you have the ability to also lay that down, to take it off and get rid of it. Sometimes, again, that weight is something that someone else wants to put on you. I mean... If I'm out there running and somebody comes along and they say, hey, I'm going to put this weight on you, then, then I'm not going to take that, right? I, I, you no, know, you're not giving me that backpack. I'm not putting that backpack on because I don't need that backpack full of rocks. That's, that's your thing. If you want to run with that, but I'm not taking that on. In verse 2, the author tells us to do something during the race. I'll take you back to verse 2 for just a second. He says, keep your eyes on Jesus. Why? Because he's the source and the perfecter of our faith. And for the joy that lay before him, he endeared a cross and despised the shame. And now he sat down at the right hand of God's throne. Just like I was telling you last night, you know, I had to start looking and identifying some landmarks where that I could see those and run to those and use that as a way to gauge while I was going along because sometimes looking at the entirety of the race is too much. Man, if if you're starting out and you just found out this week that you have uh, a physical issue, an ailment or something like that, and they're telling you, hey, this is going to be a couple of year process of surgeries and treatments and whatever. Trying to look purely to the end is overwhelming. It's too much. And so you start looking, and, and if that's the way you're looking, and you go, oh my, my goodness, how am I ever going to get through this? How am I going to make it to that point? And you just feel overwhelmed and that anxiety and that fear and all those things come. But then when you start saying, okay, what are the pieces? What are the chunks that I have got to, we've got to make it to here and get this thing done. Then we've got to make it to here. And so you, you get it down into a manageable size. We do that in our personal lives, right? You don't look and say, hey, um, honestly, we're not supposed to look and say, you know what? When I'm 25 years old, I'm looking at being 65 and wanting to retire. And so I need to have... You know, a million dollars in my retirement next, next, next month. Well, that's not going to happen, right? 
And if you just look at that big amount and you go, oh my goodness, how am I ever going to put all this stuff into my retirement? And then is the company going to do this? You don't even have a job yet. You're getting out of school and you're trying to figure out what you're going to do and you're figuring out your career path, but you start looking for manageable chunks, things that you can do. If you're going to build a house, Stephen and Wendy have built a couple of different houses along the way. You, you, don't, you envision what it's going to look like, but now you've got there's tasks that have to be done. The author of Hebrews here says, you need to keep your eye on Jesus. You don't need to just be looking and going, man, the Bible says, you know, they'll go through the valley of the shadow of death. So I got to be looking for that. No, keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't be trying to look so far down the road to figure out, well, what's going to happen way out there? Well, what, what might God lead me to out here? But instead, I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus and I'm going to follow him because that's the only way to get through the race. There were some people running around me last night and I kind of ended up locked in on where they were because I knew as long as I could see them, we were running at about the same pace. And I knew if they start getting ahead of me or if, if we start getting off, then I know I've changed my pace because I, they were consistent enough running that I realized, okay, I can stay in this general neighborhood with them. And sometimes they would slow down and I would come up and then here in a minute, they'd come back again. And we, but we kind of stayed in that same. And so I was able to pace myself. Caleb was talking when it was over. He said, Dad, he said, I saw these guys when we first started. And he said, man, they just come blowing by. And then it's not too long after that, you know, you're, you're a half mile in. And they're, they're shot and they're gone. And you never saw them again. Because they didn't pace themselves. They didn't have a, a vision of I've got to run with endurance. It's, it's, this spiritual life is a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's not a 50-yard dash. It's a marathon that we're going to have to endure. And so the author tells us, he says, look, you need to keep your eyes on a landmark, and that landmark is Jesus. Keep him in your sight. Here's the interesting thing. Kind of like a pace car, except with a lot more concern about you, Jesus is not going to outpace you. Jesus is not going to try to take you faster than what you have the ability to go. Jesus is not going to take you faster than what he can move you along and get you to grow through. And I believe over time, as, as you move through your life, yes, there are things that as God matures you and as he grows you and as he strengthens you, you can move through things faster. You can move through situations a little faster. But he's always going to have you where that you can endure and he will strengthen you to be able to do it. The powerful thing about focusing our eyes on Jesus is that what does the author tell us? He doesn't just say, keep your eyes on Jesus, but he reminds us who Jesus is. He reminds us what Jesus has done. He says, here's why that you can keep your eyes on Jesus. Because number one, he is the source of your faith and he is the perfecter of your faith. He has provided it initially. God has given to every man a measure of faith. You didn't come up with it. You didn't decide you needed to believe. You didn't decide you wanted to. He has implanted that faith into us. So he is the source of it, but then he is the perfecter of it. He is the one who grows it. He's the one who matures that faith, where that things that at the beginning of our spiritual race, we struggled with trusting God in. The further we go, our, our belief and our trust in him increases. But then he doesn't just stop with saying, here's who he is. He said, here's what he's done. He saw that there was joy that was before him, and therefore he endured a cross and despised the shame, and he sat down at the right hand 
of the Father. I want you to see these three things that happened with him. He saw joy at the finish line. So he envisioned what was going to happen when he completed the race. He endured the cross, which really was the big part of his race, even while he despised doing it. And I can tell you, when we stepped out there last night, let's just be honest. I'd already told Caleb, I said, I don't even know if I'm going to do this. I said, man, I have worked hard all day. This is not, I mean, this is not the way to do this. I like those early morning races. You get up, you get your little snack, eight, you go run, all your energy's there, and then if you need to rest for the rest of the day, then you can do it. This thing at 7.30 at night, I'm not really excited about any more of these night races. I just want you to know. I, I, I looked at somebody that was there. I didn't even know them, and I said, you know, if you're going to do this stuff, you need to lay around most of the day. Just conserve your energy. Look, I was going to endure the race, but I was despising it all the time it was happening. Some of these other ones, I haven't really despised them. They've been all right. They're tough. They're hard. But I was, man, I was despising this one before we started. What if I had known, I wish I had placed. I didn't place. I mean, I was somewhere in some place, but, <laughs> but I wasn't in any top places. What if I had known if you go run this, you'll come out in first place and there's going to be this big reward for you at the end, but all you have to do is finish. All you have to do is go patiently get through this. And there's this unbelievable reward that'll be there for you at the end. See, Jesus, in, in us being reminded of this here, he says, look... Jesus, who is the source and the perfecter, or the author and the perfecter of your faith, he saw joy at the finish line, so he went into the race. He endured the race even while he despised having to do it because it, it brought all the sin onto one who was sinless. But he knew that when I finish the race, there is something that's going to happen, and now he sits in an exalted place beside God. That's what the author said. Remember this about him. That's why you can focus your eyes on him. Because he understands. Number one, he has implanted the faith in you. He will perfect that faith that he has put in you. And he has endured and gone through far more than what you will ever go through. And so the one who has already done it is the one who puts the ability in you and perfects that ability in you. Man, that's good. I think that we often fail to visualize and understand the reward that waits for us at the finish line. We're kinda, we kind of are like, yeah, I know, you know, when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. Streets of gold, gates of pearl, going to see Jesus. Man, do you realize what you just said? When you pass from this life, forget the Streets of gold and the gates of pearl and all that. I mean, those are going to be those are going to be great stuff. But you're going to end up in this place where the Bible says there are these there are these beings 
that they've got like six wings and, and with two they cover their face and with two they cover their feet and with two they fly and, and they're in the presence of God and they're, and they're calling back and forth to each other, holy, 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 it's the Lord God Almighty. And, and there's, there's all this worship that's going forth and here is the God of the whole universe that has spoken worlds into existence, that took and measured out the seas in the palm of his hand, that formed man out of the dust of the earth and then... Breathe life into him. That then sent his son to die on a cross to fulfill a law that he knew that we couldn't fulfill, but because he wanted us in perfection to be able to have a relationship with him, perfection. When you die, having accepted Christ, believed on him as Lord and Savior of your life, you stand in the presence of that being. And he loves you like a child. In a place that our minds cannot even comprehend. The Bible even says that, that with all of this stuff that we just see like looking through a glass darkly. It's, we can't really see it all. We can't even grasp it all. The half has not even been told. We have so much stuff with CGI and all of this on movies and stuff that sometimes we've lost our sense of amazement that we're going to walk through gates of pearl and walls of jasper and, and streets of gold and, and a, a river that flows out of the throne and there's going to be these trees that have all manner of fruit on them and all of this stuff, but Jesus... Is going to be there. I think, and, and then, then, then once we move past the fact, because that's the most powerful portion, is that the God of the universe, Jesus, will be there. And somehow we're going to, the Holy Spirit is somehow, we're going to, the three in one is going to be there. But then we see the stuff that applies really personally. That there will be no more tears because he will wipe away every tear. No more sorrow, no more pain, no more hurting, no more disease, no more of any of the, 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 the separation and all the things that hurt and cause pain and all of that in this world will all be gone because that was never God's plan. That was never part of his perfect creation. It brought about because of sin and, and that, that, that brought death into our world. All of that will be done away with. And so... As Dennis and Jerry and Connie and all the others were there last night and, and they took that balloon out of, out of Shorty and, and her heart then could not hold up and she passed out of this life, that will never happen again. The pain of separation that occurs when a loved one passes out of this life will never happen again. No one will ever be told you have cancer. No one will ever be told you have heart disease, you have congenital heart disease, you have this failure, you have this problem, you're, 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 you're whatever the issue is that you have. None of that will ever happen again. You won't wake up aching. There won't be the, well, I'm growing old and stuff is just going to happen. And it will be done away with. 
Do we truly visualize and understand that we have all of those physical benefits that come in the hereafter in the presence of God, but then that we're in the presence of God? Athletes talk about that they visualize before games, they visualize their performance. They see themselves succeeding before it's ever happened. Some of the greatest athletes all talk about that. I visualize, I practice, but I visualize myself hitting the last shot. When we were little kids, all right, look, I know the guys did this. Some, some of you ladies may have done this too, but, but I know us guys, we were, we were on the basketball court, because that's about the only one you can do by yourself, right? You were on the basketball court, and, and you're, you know, I always want to be Michael Jordan. Just going to tell you, he's, he's the greatest of all time. I don't care. I like LeBron. I follow LeBron. But Michael Jordan's still the greatest of all time. Doesn't matter. If you want to argue about it, get over it, because you're wrong. Uh, <laughs> just saying. Moving on. It's not Kobe. It's not him. But anyway, you'd be on the basketball court, you know, and you're fading back. Y'all know how you, you'd do. You'd pretend like you were the announcer, right? <laughs> y'all know, know it's a fact. You're going, oh, and he's got the last shot, 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 right? You know, he's fading to the corner, corner, corner. Three, two, one. You let the shot go, and it misses, Right? <laughs> And you run up and go, and he's got the last shot. And he's fading to the corner. And you do it till you hit it, right? And then you're like, yeah! And you could imagine, you, you're, you're out there on your basketball court by yourself, woo! You're high-fiving yourself, acting like it's all your teammates coming by. Why, you were visualizing, what would it be like to be successful? I was standing there talking with some folks after the race last night. Because um, when they were handing out awards, there was a mistake that happened. And they had some names. Some parents had filled out the cards for their kids and not thinking the parents wrote their own name. They wrote their name on the card, but didn't put the right age for the child and the right time. And so they were in like the nine-year-olds, nine to something, um, their age bracket. And so they called out this girl's name and she was in second place. In her age group. And so you hear somebody go, that's not her name. Her name's something else. Well, so everybody kind of turned watching these people because they're, they're calling, telling them, you know, and, and the little girl was somewhere off playing. <laughs> she didn't care about any of these words. She's off playing somewhere. And so we, weren't, we didn't see what happened over here. And so here in a minute, the little girl comes up and, and they, they'd already moved on to giving out the third place one and all that stuff. And so they're... they're the little girl comes up and they go, oh, whoa, 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 hey, we've made a mistake. And thankfully, the other mom, praise God, was not a pageant mom. Oh, I'm sorry, Casey, but because she, well, I'm sorry, that, that television show, they get a little crazy, you know what I'm talking about? They're like, I'm looking right at a man, I don't know why. But, but you know, she didn't go like nuts and be like, ah! Because she brought her up there and she was like, hey, 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 we got the wrong one. And she, she took it off. And, and they swap awards. They're same color, same ribbon, all that stuff. She puts it on, and, and I, was, I, was, I, was, I was going, oh, dear Jesus. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I really was, because I was going, this is so great. This is not, because I'd have felt bad for the little girl. Little girl's all like, hey, she's, she's hugging her, you know, the other little girl. They didn't know each other. They did not know each other. And, and there was a lady beside me who, uh, 
who actually, she, she came in first in her age group. She's one of Michelle's volunteers at Save Life, and she has been dealing with lung cancer. And she came in first in her age group in this. And Michelle was so excited. And this lady looks at me and Jen, and she says, isn't it interesting how those kids just really don't even care? It does not matter to them that they... And I looked at her and I said, and what happened to all of us? She said, that's a great question, is it? What did happen to us where we got so competitive with each other? I watch these videos sometimes. I think the one that really, it just touches my heart. I, it's one of those videos, I, I, I'll just admit it, I'll cry. I, there's multiples of them out there. But it will be, it'll be the kids at Special Olympics that will be running a race. And one child will fall down. I'm telling you, this is, like, this is like God in these young people. You'll see the whole group. Stop running a race. Come back. Help this one child up. And then they'll link arms or link, put arms across shoulders, and they'll all go across the finish line together. And I'm going, dear God, what has happened to us to where that, that we missed it? See, because... We've failed spiritually to, to visualize what the finish line looks like. That, that scripture is all about us coming together and encouraging each other across the finish line. Not, I'm trying to outrun Jason. Well, I need to spiritually outpace Jason. No, but instead that we bear one another's burdens, that we come alongside one another, that we encourage one another. And so we visualize what does that look like? What does it look like to get to the end of my race? The end of my race could be today. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I hope it's not. I like living. I, and I, yes, I want to go to heaven, but I like living. And I want to see stuff happen with my kids and there's other stuff. The end of my race could be today. It could be tomorrow. It could be a week from now, a month from now, 10 years from now. I don't know. You don't know. But what's it going to look like? What do I visualize when I come to the end of my race, when you come to the end of your race? How will people around you respond at your funeral? What will they say? What will they talk about for years to come? Because how was your race run? I think we often fail to visualize and understand that reward that's out there. And living like that is to come. As a result, I think sometimes we willingly struggle. We sometimes simply stop for long periods or we just give up. I wonder if we place a high enough value on the reward at the end. See, if you really believed, think about this. I've had this happen the last two races, even last night. Because I was determined when I saw the clock, and I knew it wasn't a great time, but I was determined it was not going to go over the next minute. All right? And this is the, only, the last race, which is actually my best race, and then this race, which is not my best race, is the only two that I've been able to accelerate at the end. I knew it was going to be painful. All right. I knew it was not. But I was determined. I saw what time was on that clock, and I was like, that is not going to click over to the next minute before I get there. It is not going to happen. And I sped up. And then I realized, oh, I can speed up a little more. And I was speeding. And I was, I was like, and then you can hear. And I had, on my, I had my earbuds in, so I couldn't hear a whole lot. But I could see once people spotted you that were there that, that knew you, then they're like, yeah. And I was thinking about that great cloud of witnesses. 
And so I'm going to run with endurance. And I can do this. I can speed up. I can go. And what if, and that was just because I was looking at the time and people encouraging me. There, there's something to be said there spiritually. I'm, I'm, I'm gauging the time in my life, even if I don't know what it's going to be. And there's people encouraging me to do, I mean, you can do this. You can do this. Woo, come on. What if I had known if I cross that line before this minute passes up, I'm going to get a brand new car. All taxes paid. It's all free. Dude, I wouldn't have cared if I ended up on my face when I crossed over that line. I'd have, I'd have been booking it. And then if it said, and if you can get there before the halfway mark between the minute, we're going to put $10,000 on top. Chugga, 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 chugga. Yep, it'd have been on like a chicken bone. I'd have looked like the flash coming through there. It'd have been a big flash, but it won't be the flash. Do we see what's at the finish line for us in this spiritual race? Do we see what's out there and we go, man, I don't even have to finish before some certain time. I don't even have to. It's already been guaranteed. I get to run this race for the pure joy of serving God who has provided a guaranteed win at the end of this race. I don't even have to feel the pressure. Oh, I got to do this in order to win it. I do that in the physical. I get to run for the pure joy spiritually of knowing that Jesus paid it all. And all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. The author also addresses a stark reality in closing that this life sometimes tempts us to grow weary and lose heart. And I want to break these two things up for just one moment for our understanding. It's okay to grow weary, but it's not okay to lose heart. I want to show you this in a scripture. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Come to me, all of you who are what? Weary. And what? Burdened. And I will give you rest. All of you, take up my yoke and learn from me because I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for yourselves, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The double yoke allows a farmer to do something. It allows a farmer to take an older, more mature, stable ox and put him in one of the traces. It allows him to take that younger ox who really doesn't have it all together yet, maybe wants to, you know, we're supposed to be plowing a straight row, and, and that, that young ox, he wants to plow over here and then come back over here and then run around the tree a couple of times. And, and so the farmer can take and put that young ox in a trace with this bigger, stronger, more mature and stable ox. And that younger one will learn from that older ox because that ox, he knows we're supposed to go right here. That's what we're supposed to do. This is what we're going to do. And this one will try to go, but this one, he knows what's going on. He won't let that happen. Jesus says, come and take my yoke. I know where we're supposed to go. I know what we're supposed to get done. I can direct you, and I'm not going to let you. 
if, if you'll yoke up with me, I'm not going to let you end up off somewhere else. We're going to keep going right down the path we're supposed to go on. He also tells us, when you find yourself weary and heavy burden, what I read out of this is he says, it's because you're carrying your yoke and not mine. He says, when you find yourself in that spot. See, notice he doesn't say you shouldn't get where he says, if you find yourself there, come to me. All you who are weary and heavy burdened. Why? Because you can take my yoke up. And then jump all the way to the, to the third verse there. And he says, because my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. So when you're over here and you're finding yourself spiritually getting weary. And you're finding yourself spiritually burdened down. He says, it's because you don't have my yoke and my burden. You've picked up your own. You need to lay aside the weight. And the sin that so easily ensnares you. Come over here and pick up my yoke because it's light. Lay down your burden and pick up the one that I have because it's easy. The world will continue to come against us just as it came against Jesus. Why? Because the morals and the lifestyles that Jesus proclaimed is contrary. It's contrary to the darkness in our world. So we're not supposed to be dismayed. We're not supposed to be surprised by that. But rather, we're to look to the author and the finisher of our faith. Because he went before us. Because he gives us the promise. You can run this race. And you can do so with endurance. And then as Paul said, we will be able to say, I have finished my race. I've completed this course. All this that was laid down for me, I did it. That's where I want to be at the end of my life, whenever that is. I want to be able to say, God, to this point, because I took up your yoke, because I took up your burden, because I looked and I kept my eyes focused on Jesus, who showed me that it can be done. And I have faithfully and endearingly run the race that you've given me. Let's pray.